can you do signs where the n equals one? Where the number of people in the experiment is one and that one is you. My guest today on the Reset Podcast is Dr. Craig Duncan. He's a performance specialist who's worked with the Australian national soccer team, the Iranian team, and a bunch of A-League teams. He's a guru at getting the best out of performance, and he's a big advocate of self-science, working on yourself to work out what works for you. Welcome to the Reset Podcast, Dr. Craig Duncan. All right, Dr. Craig Duncan, welcome to the Reset Podcast. Hey, good day, Luke. How are you going? Good, mate. We have a question we ask at the start of each one of these. Is, is it good being you? Ah, oh, that's a really great question. That's a really great question. Is it good being me? Yes, I think, it, I think it's very good being me because I'm very grateful for what I, what I have and uh, I don't want to be anyone else. I just want to be me and uh, do the best I can do with what I have. So, yeah, I'm, I, I would say it's, for me, it's good being me. I wouldn't want anyone else to be me, but, uh, yeah, I'm very grateful for what I have. <laughs> nice. And that, that almost everything I've, read, I've seen and read and stuff of yours, grateful is a word that just keeps popping up there. It's, you know, you, you obviously find it, it's really an important thing for everyone to have because you work with high-performing you know, high people. How do you help them develop that sense of gratitude? What are some of the things that you do to help them be more grateful? Well, I, I think it comes back to um, right back to 2013 when I had this experience where uh, I, nearly, I nearly died during... Um, I basically injured my heart and then had a number of heart attacks. And I, I spent this time in intensive care and a couple of nights where I really didn't know if I was going to wake up the next morning. So from that, it was a wonderful experience because I created this concept of the deathbed scorecard because I was sort of during that period of time, I was going over my life and checking off and thinking, wow, am I happy with what I've done? And at that time, I was under quite a lot of stress. I was working with a professional sporting team and it wasn't You're allowed to drop names here, mate. We like it when you drop names. Uh, uh, at that time, <laughs> I, was, I was working with Sydney FC uh, and they were in the, um, the Australian football soccer competition, mm-hmm. uh, a big club in that area. And they weren't performing that well and there was a lot of media attention identifying that injuries were the issue. And that's, you know, one of my areas that I look after in respect to performance. So I was under a lot of stress, wasn't happy bringing that home as well. And so then this happened to me. And you know what? When I was laying there thinking about my life, I was wishing, (laughs) give me the worst day of my life and I'll take it. If there's no more days, give me the worst day, I'll take it and I'll be grateful for it. That, just wow. give it back to me. And, and from, from then, I worked on this idea of this deathbed scorecard. So what are key things in your life that when you're in that situation, when you don't have many more days left and you are going to ask yourself the question, did I live a good life or not? You're going to have some key things you're going to ask yourself. Now, what I advise people to do is to not wait to that time to do that on a daily basis what's key to you and 
work on that. And I can only be grateful because we never know what we really have until we don't have it. And that's mm. in everything. And so that's why it's very important to me and why I advocate gratefulness. However, look, it's not like I'm always grateful. I've got to remind myself and, and most of the things that I write and I, I talk about, I'm talking to myself as well as, you know, because we're all part of this human community and I think we all experience um, a lot of similar things, but we also experience them from an individual perspective. But definitely gratefulness. It's very difficult to be grateful and angry at the same time. So that's why I think it's a it? good thing. There, was, other than gratitude, was there a, like that seems like a real reset moment that, that having the heart problems in 2013, it seems like it. Was there, was there any fundamental differences other than the gratitude between pre that and post that? Yeah, I, I think also just to uh, uh, very much also about control. Um, I, I really drill down and, and look at life about what I can control, what I can't control, and what is somewhat in my control. I don't think it's, you know, it's either either and there's this space where there's somewhat of your control. And often we get anxious and, and you know, you wrote the book about stress, about stress. Uh, it happens because we're looking at things that we can't control. And... Yeah we get caught up in that, then we've got real problems. So that was a big one for me because I used to think in respect to sport, oh, you know, if we win or lose and all this sort of thing, but I can't control winning or losing. Um, yeah. All I can do is uh, help the coach, you know, have a, a healthy healthy players so they can perform to their maximum with what uh, they have to do. But, yeah, it was very much about control. So I, I looked at life uh, significantly differently, you know, from 2013 to now. Well, one of the, one of the bases of our new book is, is that reset is about control, ultimately. You know, what can I control, which is what you're talking about there. What do I need to change, which is the old part of it, and what do I need to get rid of? And I guess in some of your work with self-science, um, that's one of the things you're doing. So you tell us a little bit about... Um, about your new book and, the, and that sort of concept of, a, of science where N equals one. So the number of people in the experiment is one. I, I love your concept with this. Right. Yeah. Well, well this, uh, I think self-science is this philosophy uh, we've been talking about for a while. And you're right. There's a, uh, I've got a new book coming out and it should be out in, uh, by mid-August. Um, and it's self-science. Uh, a study of you by you. And, and that's that concept of the N of, N of one, because when we look at research, it's often all these uh, uh, enormous numbers. And that's what, well, that's great because the more numbers in a research project, we believe it's more significant, the results. However, where one, you know, one in 400 trillion chance that we were born. Okay. And I can't even repeat the number of us being us. So we are so individual that it started to resonate with me that we have to really know ourselves. If we know ourselves, we're going to be better for other people. All right. So, you know, it was one of the great, it was attributed to Socrates, but we don't think it was Socrates that talked about knowing thyself. And yeah. this is what self-science is based on, to really know yourself. We spend all our time reading about others and watching others and that sort of stuff, but how much time do we spend with ourselves? 
And so that's what self-science is about. And if I use a basic sort of uh, concept, 25% of the population exercise only. So that's 75% would exercise regularly enough to get the health benefit that we uh, believe comes from physical activity, which is about 150 minutes a week. So there's a whole lot of people that don't exercise. And why is that? And my belief is because the exercise program is often not specific to the individual. If you're in the Western world, most people know being active is going to be beneficial for you. But how come so many people don't? So what happens is often you go, you might go to a gym, someone knows you for 15 minutes and then writes you an exercise program. But they don't know you. You know you. So why is that exercise program going to work for you at 42 years of age and you haven't exercised for the last 20 years of your life and they're writing something, exercise three, five times a week or whatever it is, and you're thinking to yourself, ah, but I don't like that exercise. Well, what self-science is, it's about not being a spectator and not just taking it, but collaborating and saying, you know what, Luke, you're telling me to run three times a week for 10 minutes on the treadmill. I don't like running. <laughs> it's about being honest with yourself. And but that's why I always say in respect to exercise, if you like to walk, walk. If you like to cycle, cycle. If you like to swim, swim. Whatever it is, the more we move, the better it's going to be. But the most important thing is that we do it regularly and for the rest of our time. So it's about really knowing ourselves, And that's why self-science, uh, N of one, Study of yourself and really being honest and knowing yourself. So then you can go forward when an expert is advising you, you can play a part in that. And that's in every every area of life. That's if you're going to the doctor or if you're going to a psychologist, if you're, you know, a business advisor or whatever it is, be part of it because you know yourself. It's a... I've actually got it written on my shirt at the moment, the research curiosity, and I guess that's what it, what it is, isn't it? To try and be curious about what am I doing that I'm actually getting enjoyment from, getting benefits from, and becoming a better human by doing it. Well, that's, I mean, you, you touch on one of my favourite words, curiosity. You know, when we were a kid, we were so curious, we wanted to find everything, and now, I don't know if it's apathy or whatever, but... You know, as an adult, if you can become more curious or just bring it back, and and uh, I think it's so it's so important for us and about yourself. Uh, and and look at the start; it's hard, Luke, because you know, sitting in reflection, sitting in silence with yourself at the at the start is you know often we try and avoid that. But I'm telling you, if you want to have a life where you really maximise your potential. It's one of the things that will really benefit you. I'd love to get some of your insights into, into how curiosity can fit into the, the sort of anxiety epidemic that we've got going on there at the moment, um, particularly with the younger generation. They, you know, they've got that sort of compare and despair thing that they're never quite living up to the expectations that they're seeing on social media and stuff like that. Mm. And I had a lady called Karina Moore come on, who's a leadership expert. And she used, and she calls anxiety a data point, which, which fits into what you're saying, that I'm anxious, okay, that's a data point. That's not a personality trait. That's not part of being me. 
it's a data point for something. And I think that kind of fits into what you're talking about, isn't it? That we've got yeah. to get curious about why we're feeling these things and why we're thinking a certain way. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point because I, uh, I'm actually, you know, if I look at myself historically, I've had anxious moments. And, and I think anxiety is always looking ahead too far and, and looking at things that you can't control. And I, I start talking about, and particularly to myself, that worry never, ever solved any problem. So it's not going to solve it. And also the concept of many things. Just think about this for a second. How many things have you spent time worrying about or having anxiety over and they never even came true? Well, I actually have the, the pie chart of that in Stress Teflon, that 85% of them don't come true. Yeah. So, so 12% do come true and they're not as bad as you thought and only 3% come true and have the detrimental outcomes that you thought they would. So it's, the numbers on that are, you know, we worry about a lot of stuff that just doesn't come up. Yeah, and, and I, think, I think for the young ones or even, you know, we talk about young ones being affected by social media. I think we're all affected by social media and, and I believe the power of our reach now can be very positive. But it's when we, I think it gets back to education and knowing yourself and knowing how special you are. You know, it's a one in 400 trillion, trillion chance that you are here. That's special. So you've got some reason for being here and it's not someone else's reason and if we can be educated about social media and and see people you know with the highlight of their lives and and i look at it i i don't mind that but it's about the perspective that you're looking at and thinking don't compare yourself run your own race run your own race and and that will be the most important thing you can do and so i think a lot of the anxiety you're right it's a data point Okay, I'm anxious. I like that. I'm anxious. Okay, but why am I anxious? It gets back to being, a, you know, studying yourself and being a good self-scientist. Oh, I'm anxious because I'm worried about the, the future. Well, okay, let's work on that. Let's really whiteboard it if we want to or write it in your journal. What are the things you're anxious about your future? And then move with it and work with it. And sometimes you might need a mentor for this. Sometimes you might need a coach or a friend to talk about. But first, you've got to start with yourself and identify why is that anxiety data point there? Yeah. Um, I read a line the other day that said, that said something along anxiety is a problem that will keep coming up until you work out where the root cause comes from. And that's kind of what you're saying. There. That's a great point, Luke. And, and you know, I... I <laughs> I do a lot of work with people with sleep because I believe sleep is the foundation of our performance. And if we don't get sleep right, it's very, very difficult to, to get our life right. So we really focus on that first. Now, one of the things that happens with people is they, they're, they've got anxiety or they're worried about things which have negatively affects their sleep, but because their sleep is affected, it starts to grow and grow yeah. and grow. And so if we just get a good night's sleep and a regular sleep pattern, I mean, that goes a long way to solving a lot of these uh, anxious thoughts. I'm, I'm massively into, into habits and, and sort of trying to find ways that you can structure your day so they make, make it easier. And um, as an optometrist as well, I, we've kind of got very good at controlling our light levels before we go to bed and all of that sort of stuff. But mm -hmm. I've actually found the biggest one that's helped me with sleep 
is to refer to the moment that you go to bed as the start of my next day. Ah, nice. I like so that. So I've actually changed it. The start of your day isn't when you wake up in the morning. The start of your day you know, is when I go to bed. And do I want to start my day with another episode of Netflix, of, of a show on Netflix, or do I want to go and start tomorrow and have a cracking day? And, you know, unfortunately, I've turned into a boring old fart and go to bed at like, you know, 8.30 at night or and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm always giving myself the opportunity to have eight hours. And I really like that concept that you have the opportunity to have eight hours no matter what. And quite often I'll wake up at, at you know, four in the morning and I just get up and start working. Those, days, those hours are great. Yeah, but that that one concept of uh, you know my day starts when I go and put my head on the pillow. I really like that way of thinking as far as sleep. Yeah, and that's a I haven't thought of that before, but that's a really good concept. And you know what? That gets back to the self science idea as well. That that's one way of looking at it that works for you, and we could put that out there, and that could really work for other people. Other people might have other strategies, but it's a really nice strategy that I like. But definitely you touched on the eight hours and, and we were always taught that eight hours was important and absolutely it is. I think eight to nine hours and we need to work back from when are we going to wake up? When are we going to wake up? Work back, you know, nine hours from there and then that's what time you want to be in bed and then go from there. Yeah, give you the opportunity to have that, whether you actually do go all the way through um, yeah. Matthew Walker from Stanford wrote a book called Why We Sleep. I don't know if you're Beautiful book. aware of that. It's a really, really good book, isn't it? And uh, I, think yeah. I think it's the best book on sleep. Uh, I would encourage anyone listening, if they're, if they're going to buy any book at the moment besides uh, Luke's book, uh, please go out and buy um, uh, that. Uh, it's a Matthew Walker. Matthew yeah. Walker. And uh, I, we actually... Um, listen to it on repeat. Uh, right. so, yeah, I think we've probably been through that about four, four or five times, and and read the book. Uh, so you know, I like it as an audio book as well because it just keeps resonating with me how important it is. Did he read it? Because he's got that lovely British accent as well. He's he's got a really fantastic way of speaking. Yeah. He's got a good TED talk as well, and that's a yeah that's TED talk's right. Good to start. But he um he may and I. I love evolutionary biology. Like the stress teflon started off as the caveman advantage, the idea that we understand how cavemen stressed and that's how we still do it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he, point, he pointed out in why we sleep was that if evolution, as efficient as it is, if we didn't need eight hours, they would have gotten rid of it years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not an evolutionary smart thing to do. We're going to lie somewhere, we're going to be defenceless and all of that sort of stuff. Evolutionary doesn't make any sense. So it must be really, really important. Mm. And um, you know, our evolution doesn't change that quick. So you know, we're not um, we're not gonna we can hang our hat on saying it's great, I've got four hours sleep, I can live on that. You're not you're not optimum. Yeah, it really concerns me that a lot of people use that as a um uh, yeah, as a trophy, you know, I, I only get four hours sleep. The medical fraternity is one, and that really concerns me because if we look in the in the US, I think it's identified that two hundred and fifty thousand people die every year through medical medical mistakes. I wonder how many of those are due to uh, sleep issues. Yeah, it could well be. But fortunately, we've got people like yeah, like Dr. Craig Duncan and Matthew Walker. So, you know, leading off with saying that's the most important thing. So, 
I think yeah, I think the message is getting through with that. Yeah, I, I think look, you know what worries me sometimes, Luke, is is things lose their power that that we sleep is a bit of a, a trendy issue at the moment. And then it becomes a bit of a tick the box, but are people still really getting what we want? At least we're getting the information out there, but they, they're still identifying it as maybe one of the major public health issues, absence of sleep or, you know, poor sleep uh, moving forward. So I think 16% of the population have chronic sleep issues. And what, if we, what if we define that as? How, well, would, how would, what would you say? Yeah, less that, than a number? Yeah, that are really impacting their health. Okay, so that they're not getting, you know, that they're, they're getting less than, definitely getting less than eight hours. It's, it's uh, unstructured sleep. It's becoming an issue. They're, they're identifying that they have problems with sleep. That's an enormous amount of the population uh, yeah. that is doing that. And then if you look at the diseases associated with uh, poor sleep, uh, they're significant. Matthew Walker identifies them very well. And it's interesting enough, I've seen with elderly parents, that as you get older, it becomes harder to sleep. Um, but the absence of sleep really um, has a negative impact on memory in that. So I, I've seen with elderly people, if you see them in the morning, they're much more with it. But if you see them in the afternoon, you'd think, oh, they're going down that dementia trail, but in the morning they're okay. So that can only be related to to uh, fatigue and and sleep. Yeah, well, there's the you probably know more about it than I would, but the endocrine system of how the, how the brain flushes through at night when you're asleep. Mm. Um, can you can you? I don't, I don't actually know the full details of that. Are you? It's not. Yeah, it's not something I'm, I'm, a, I'm across, but, but basically, you know, they talk about that. You're exactly right, that it's just flushing, cleaning out the, the mind uh, during, during that time that you are asleep. And if you're not getting that sleep, okay, if you're not getting it, then there is no chance for that to, to clear out. So the cerebral spinal fluid and all of that goes through at night yeah, and cleans itself out I'm, and filters it. And- yeah, it's, I'm not exactly sure uh, technically what it is, but I, I again, it just really feeds into knowing how I sort of think is, okay, I, I can hear that. I know that I need to do this. And if I don't do it, this is maybe what's happening. Um, going back to another N equals one, because you know I love your N equals one concept. Um, I have, I have a thing I often wake up at two or three in the morning. And um, I take some, I sometimes take some body science sleep RX, which is a, a cortisol inhibitor, because I get excited and want to get up and start the day. And I don't want to do that at two in the morning. Yeah. I often take them if I wake up early. The other one I've just started since talking to you a few, a few weeks ago is I've actually started reading um, at that time. I have a Kindle and I have it on really low, so it's low light. But I've, I've discovered that if I read a book that's a fiction book that I've read before, I actually go back to sleep really easy because I don't have to concentrate on it. Yeah, and isn't that fantastic? Because what you're you're actually being a self scientist. You're you're actually saying to yourself, okay, I've trialed this, and you, and because you know it really resonates with you because you come from a science background with optometry as well. To you trial that, you see, you, you said to me, it's a fiction book that you know well, that's easy reading, relaxes the mind, and then you can go back off to sleep. So that's a really mm. good point. And, and that's one of the things we say with sleep 
you know, if you're, if you're tossing and turning for more than 15 minutes, okay, it might be time to actually, you know, sit up under a low light, like you said, uh, read a few pages of the book, switch your mind off and then go back to sleep. Um, so that's really interesting that that works. And people talk a lot about um, the value of reading fiction because a lot of people, uh, and me being one, reads a lot of nonfiction. But just going back and having one of your books that you're reading, because I tend to read multiple books at a time, that's fiction, I think is really enjoyable because it helps with your creativity as well. Yeah, it does. It does. But there's just something about about reading one you've read before, I think really works. And I was saying, I used to read books and I'd get stuff out of them and I'd start taking notes and my brain would actually get more active when I was reading on. Because you're, you're searching for it. I'm, I'm a bit like that with um, uh, TV and movies. I, mm-hmm. I actually prefer to watch um, things that I've seen before. <laughs> I read some science on that the other day and, and hopefully, Craig, you can fill us in where this is true that people with anxiety are very much wanting to watch shows that they've watched before because they're not worried about what's coming up ahead, which really? is a, a bit of self-science as well. I'd, I'd never heard of that until recently as well. well it makes sense. And, um, yeah, I'm the worst uh, because, you know, I, I probably watch 40 Towers episodes five, 500 times. You're not allowed to watch some of them now. They're politically incorrect. Isn't that terrible? Yeah, political correctness is, uh, I mean, it's uh, probably not for this discussion, but it's an, it, it is an interesting one. And, um, yeah, uh, like it's uh, obviously there's been a lot of wrong that's happened, but I do wonder about, about that. Yeah, I did read that, um, yeah, there's a couple of, I think there's definitely an episode that, that isn't being yeah. allowed much in 40 Towers anymore. Yeah. So going, going back to your stuff about self-science, how... What sort of way would you get someone to start sort of experimenting on themselves? Is there any sort of technique and stuff that you say that I would, you know, Dr. Craig Duncan says this is the way to, to start? Yeah, Be- because part of uh, the self-science is we have a model called the AFFIRM model. And the AFFIRM model is, is basically we start with the analysis phase. So if we start with analysis, okay, then we formulate a plan, we forecast the outcome of that plan, we implement it, okay, and we reflect on it, but at all stages we're monitoring it. So we've got a self-monitoring right. But the key is to analyse. And the first part you know, in becoming a self-scientist is to really do that deep work and analyse you. Who are you? Uh, what, what gets you up in the morning? What makes you you? Um, and, and this is a long period of uh, reflection because you're trying to find, okay, who you are, really be authentic with yourself. It's the real key of knowing thyself, okay? It's where you could find your, you know, start to talk about finding your purpose, your, you know, your why, like Simon Sinek says. But it starts with that analysis phase, okay? I love Simon Sinek's stuff with that, about why, but every time I hear about people talking about finding their why, I get a little bit of vomit coming in my throat. But it's really important, but it's just sounds I don't know it just sounds but I really love it I love Simon Sinek stuff as well and I and I think he's just talking about finding your your purpose and 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 whatever that is and 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 it and it is it's an interesting area but you can only do that with deep analysis I can't find your purpose for you 
um, you might work with a, a coach or a, or a mentor or a friend on that. But definitely the first stage of being a self-scientist is to analyze yourself. What we then do talk about straight away is the key things that I know um, from a physiological perspective are important. So I, I do start to say to people, it depends, you know, what level of uh, analytical sort of mind they have, but to start to track your sleep, to see how much sleep you're actually getting. Uh, you know, when you wake up, how, how are you feeling psychologically? You know, do you have fatigue? Do you have muscle soreness? How regularly are you exercising? You know, some key things like that that are important to you, I start to say, okay, let's just keep some form of record of this. It doesn't need to be, again, it needs to be about, about you, what you think is important for you. But if you do need some direction, I do say there's no doubt that we have to start with identifying, okay, are we getting enough sleep? That's a key one for us to, to start with, and that can be in that analysis phase. But then, you know, we go and formulate a plan for ourselves and then, and then start to implement it. I love what you said then about sort of looking at things and, and trying to, to monitor it. And I actually do a simple thing. If anyone's watching this on video, you'll see it. It's actually a calendar and I put lines on it for every bit, blue lines for every bit of exercise I do and I try and have a cross on every day, so two bits of exercise. Yeah, it's and, nice. And then I have red lines for the days where I've fasted for more than eight hour, 18 hours and then two red lines that I've fasted for 24 hours. Yeah. And I, go, I can go back through months before and you see the months before and, and stuff like that. So I actually got that one from James Clear who wrote a really good book on habits. And he's very, he would be very much a self-science guru like yourself, right? Yeah. And, and, and what, what you've got there is similar because you're now on our monitoring system with, with our good friend uh, Greg from Body Science as well. And what we do is, is exactly that. Basically on a daily basis, like um, with the technology that we have, everyone has an app. There's, there's a number of questions. We call it the self-science scorecard that we answer. We answer about our exercise. We answer about our work. And then we've got that daily package, what that looks like. And then what we help people to do is identify their optimal performance zone and then where are they in respect to that optimal performance zone. So that's the sort of the, the end point of our self-science. That's where we can use this technology. And really what it does, it, it really helps. We're not always going to be in our optimal performance zone. But what I want to do is help people to know when they're not so when you're not in your optimal performance zone because you might have had a bad sleep, you, you might have extra bit of stress or whatever, then you adjust accordingly. If that and makes you do sense. the things that aren't quite as important or that don't need as much concentration. Exactly. Like, you know, I, you know in the corporate world, how many times people have a, a very important meeting coming up, but they're under stress, they've had poor, um, poor sleep, they're not in their optimal zone. If they're aware of that, their decision-making is you're going to be, you're going to cater for that. You're going to think to yourself, okay, I'm not thinking as well as I would normally. So let's not make any key decisions today. I, I so much believe in this, that corporations could be enhanced if they followed this sort of uh, concept. It's a matter of catching yourself, isn't it, Craig? You've got to kind of think and being self-aware enough to know that, you know, this isn't working and I'm, 
I'm not at my optimum today. And Absolutely. How many times have people, or like us, have walked, uh, you know, come home maybe to our family, maybe um, to a driver on the road and started, started uh, being angry at them, where why does that happen today when every other day it doesn't happen? And then if you track back and you're aware, you go, oh, hang on, I had a really bad sleep. I'm a bit under the weather. I feel a little bit sick. I've got a bit of stress. So it's not actually the person that has caused any issue. It's really just gets back to, you know, ourselves. And that's why we try to create that space between something happening and then how we perceive it and act on it. Rather than something happening, our instant response is to, is to attack. Um, but what I also talk about is giving yourself a bit of space before you actually react. Viktor Frankl talked a lot about that in um, Man's Search for Meaning was that it's all about perception. And if we can create space between the stimulus and the action, the world's going to be a better place. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you've, you've pulled out, you, know, you talk about people like, um, like Aristotle and the ancient Greeks, and I actually think you throw them and people like Viktor Frankl and uh, maybe throw Buddha and Jesus in there, and you pretty much, everything's been said before. Those, those guys have all said it, but I guess when you use self-science, you work out which ones of them are the ones that are going to be most applicable to you. Yeah, absolutely. And then, it, yeah, so it's knowing you what, you know, I was, I was having this discussion uh, just yesterday about, you know, we all have a dark shadow. Okay, we need to be honest with ourselves about that, that we all have a, a, a dark shadow. Uh, we're not all perfect. We're very much not. But, but even to know what's your, what's your nemesis, what's your dark shadow, what's going to set you off um, and create negative behaviour, what's, yeah, what's your weaknesses? You know, I think that's even important to, yeah. to be uh, so honest with yourself. It's like... Um, <clears throat> when someone insults you, okay, I, I've, I've learned how to deal with insults is because if you know yourself really well, if someone insults me, for one, often it's people that don't know me. So that's, how can that even affect me? Because they don't yeah. even know me. Um, two, if I really know myself, then I think to myself, wow, if they really knew me, they're probably right. They'd insult me a lot more. So, or it can be true well, then I can just learn from it. Or if I don't respect the person, why do I want them to actually think that I'm good? Because that would be more of a concern. So that's a good way of, if you're really honest with yourself, you're going to be uh, so aware that, that nothing can really affect you because you, you've already determined that in your own reflection. I guess what you're saying then is that a lot of self-science is just having that self-awareness to think of the things to look at. Absolutely. Yeah, and self-science is all about that. It's all about self-awareness and knowing thyself. And yeah. in every area of our life, you playing a part in it rather than being a spectator. And, and you know, we, we get one chance, and, and that's where it gets... We, we get one chance of life. We, you know, we have this one life. Um, and each day we mightn't make the most of it, but it's about accepting that and then trying to do it. You know, it's just trying to do our very, very best. And the other thing about self-science, like, 
is, and, and this is one of the things about, you know, self-development and working on self. My, my idea about this is not to become so self-orientated. That's absolutely not what this is about. It's about being your best self. The reason being, so you can go and make the world a better place. So you yeah, can wow. And if I love that concept, Craig, of, of not of knowing yourself, but not to be self-orientated, to, to be self-aware so that you can help others around you. That's a lovely way to look at it. Well, that's the, that, that's, that's the philosophy, and I think, because so, often we hear self, 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 and, and I think one of the problems in, in society today is an overemphasis on self. So I'm not talking about at all. I'm talking about being your best self to help others to be their best self. Because we're a community as, as humans, we need to work together. We can't survive without each other. And that's what we need to need to really focus on. Like, Luke, you always know if you're feeling down and you're a bit out, the, the best thing you can go and do is go and help someone else and that will help you. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. However, what often happens is you become more uh, in to yourself and there's that old syndrome, the feel sorry for self syndrome. Okay, we all do it because it gets addictive rather than going, if you can just step out, go and do some act of kindness for someone else and you know what, it will make you feel better. Yeah, it's exactly right. And there's a whole bunch of, you know, you get, you're getting your, your serotonins and your dopamines and all of that from helping other people. And that, you know, we're, we're little balls, you know, electrochemical bags of, of stuff floating around there and those things certainly help. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and oxytocin is a, is a beautiful one as well. You know, like uh, just by, by doing something good for someone else that will help you and it will help them and then they will go on and maybe do something good for someone else. And that's what yeah. we're going to you know. It's a really good thing. I actually, I've, I've been doing a thing with my coaching clients. Lately. I've, I've changed everything. So when I have a new coaching client, I have things I call eye goals. And I goals are infinite and identity goals. So I'm the sort of person who, and not how you've been in the past, but how you want to be in the future. Yeah. Um, when I came up with mine, I didn't have anyone to help me. So it took, took me two months to come up with it. But I am um, curious, creative, and generous. All right? No. And if I'm being curious, creative, and generous, every single one of my problems isn't a big problem anymore. Yeah, I like and that. Coming up with your three words, and every single time I've done it, I've probably done it a dozen times over the last few weeks since I've started doing it with clients. Every single time I get them to write their three words up on the end once we've gone through the process of working them out, and every time I've got a tingle down my spine and the person just looked at them and gone, oh, my God, that's definitely me. And it's, yeah. it's exactly what you're talking about, Craig. It's that self-science of understanding this is how I want to be going forward rather than this is how I've been in the past. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing that your self science is going to teach people. Yeah, and and like I'm an optimistic person, and uh, and it's I, I always are looking on the positive side of things. I don't think everyone needs to be like that, so that sort of comes easy to me, and so I don't I don't stick in the past too much. Like I think the past is there for us to learn from, but not to identify ourselves as. Mm. Um, from that past, okay? It's about, okay, where do we want to be 
and let's start moving towards that. We've all got, you know, mistakes in, in our past and that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, like if we were perfect, we wouldn't be human. If we were perfect, we wouldn't have to do any science on ourselves. And um, I think that the thing that you're doing, Craig, with getting people to just think about it and do the experiments on, on themselves are wonderful. And I, I can't wait to, um, to, to self-science. It's called self-science? Yeah, it's called science. Um, uh, yeah, uh, the study of you by you, and um, study of you by you. Yeah, and it's really good. Uh, the forward is by a, a, a really great uh, football soccer player that I worked with, Tim Cahill, that a lot of Australians know very well. Oh. I was very lucky he wrote the forward to it because I I was able to work with him with it for a number of years. So that was that was really good. Um, it's yeah it's a it's a nice book it's a it's an easy easy read and and one that i want people to grab and underline things and work through and and what i think like you look we'll have a lot of supporting materials around that the book will be part of it but um we're putting together a, a fundamentals of self-science like a course as well to help people live that life i see it as a, a life that you can uh that you can really live and look it's I actually a, think in what you're doing, it seems like it's it's more building the life that you want. So doing the science on yourself, so you're building the life that you want rather than sort of you know taking whatever comes your way. Yeah, I, I talk about just not being a spectator of your life. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, just don't don't be a spectator. Um, look, I'm really, I I get that people have difficulties and. Um, They've had difficult backgrounds and all that sort of stuff, and I'm totally empathetic to that. But we're not going to get anywhere if we sit in this and blame things for others, you know, because of this, because of that, because of that. Yep. You know, I am like myself. You know, let's, this is how we are. These are the difficulties you've had. This is, this is what it can create. You've got enormous resilience because you're actually here. What does that mean moving, moving forward? I think one of the things that struck me, Luke, is, you know, we get back to gratitude is I've been fortunate to travel a lot with my work um, and, and go to many, many countries, uh, you know, with, with sport. And I worked for this, an, another nation, and this, this nation, uh, it was Iran, actually, and uh, they have many difficulties. And... Uh, you know, I'm not getting into the politics or anything like that, but the way people spoke about Australia, it was like Australia was paradise. Right, it, it is. They, you know, to live in Australia, to be in Australia, what a beautiful place they talked about. Because some of them had actually travelled to Australia uh, for a tournament, so they remembered it with such fond eyes. And you're talking about a country where, you know, the, the younger people and, you know, you can't just leave Iran. You know, there's there's real problems there. But they talked about with the starry-eyed thing about Australia, and I thought, yeah, this is this is wonderful. And then I started to think about people trying to get to Australia as refugees. That people literally die getting to Australia, literally putting their life on the line to get here. And then I came home, and I saw so many of our people ungrateful for what they had. Mm. It's just, it, it, and, and I, I believe that 
that 99.9% of us are good and, and don't want to be like that, but we get in a rut and go, you know what, how I think if you're in Australia, the worst day of your, of your life is nothing compared to some other people, you know, that don't have running water, don't have education, don't have the opportunities. And we, we get upset because we've got traffic or we've got, um, you know, things. That, look, I mean, even look at COVID-19 now. It's a difficult time for a lot of people. But we have a government that offers stimulus packages. Yeah, been fantastic. They've been really good. I mean, and, and that's not, I'm not even talking politics. I'm talking about the structure that we have in our country. We, and, and the only reason we're in Australia is because of luck. The only reason... We were born here uh, is because of luck. And if we're not grateful for that, and, yeah, it's just lucky that we were blessed to be born in a safe, uh, a safe country. So I think those things really resonate with me. And because of that, it's nothing to feel guilty about, but it is an opportunity for us to, to live a life where we strive to maximise our potential so then we can help others to maximise their potential and in doing that, we create a better world. And that is just a perfect way to finish. I think this is going to be the first of many, Craig. I'm sure we're going to have another chat on the, on the Reset podcast again. Uh, I'd love to. Uh, you know, the, the self-science with Dr Craig Duncan. Thank you very much for coming on. And, um, yeah, it's been great having you. We'll chat soon.